Hello and welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and I'm excited today to have a very special guest, Nicholas DeLeon, who I have known for some time now and actually get to interview him here for the show. So, Nicholas, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, Stephen, my pleasure. Uh, we have known each other for quite a while. I believe we were, <laughs> man, maybe six or seven years old. We were young kids when we... Uh... I think so. We moved upstate New York, and I think we were in kindergarten or first grade together, one of those. We went to the same school for, for a minute, but yeah. it's been a long time, and, and it's funny. I mean, we haven't talked in a long time, and you've been involved in technology in various places, and I've been involved here on Apple Insider and other places, so it's just funny now that our paths get across again, so it's, yeah. it's so fun to talk to you. So tell me, like, what what is your current gig right now? I know you're at Consumer Reports. So what do you do there? Yes, my title is technically I'm a senior reporter at Consumer Reports. I've been here for about three years, three years and change. Uh, I've kind of been all over the sort of tech blogging world. My first gig was at Gizmodo, basically as an intern. This is like 2006-ish, 2007. Then I was at TechCrunch for a couple of years. Uh, I worked at News Corp, uh, The Daily. I don't know if anyone in the audience remembers that iPad wow. news app. Yes. Uh, I was there for about two years. Uh, and then I did a startup called Circa, kind of like mobile news thing. Then I was at Vice for a few years. Wow. And now I'm at Consumer Reports. Uh, my main beats are laptops, uh, wireless routers, and tablets. Uh, I say t I, I almost like whisper tablets because there's not a ton of <laughs> tablet news generally. It's pretty much the iPad, uh, the right. Amazon tablets, and and maybe the Samsung ones, but it's it's a smaller category. Right. Well, that, that's so interesting. And so I, of course, fell into the Apple world. And so I think you're a little more far reaching. So when you talk about laptops, you're talking about Windows, you cover the Apple ones too, yeah. kind of everything in between. Yeah, Consumer Reports. We we cover you know the whole you know the whole ecosystem: Windows laptops, Apple laptops, Chromebooks. Uh, you know we can get into it a little bit how, you know how we test and wh where do I fit in all of this. But yeah, we we pretty much look at everything actually. Gotcha. And you know because this is an Apple centric podcast, I just want to point out that as we tried to jump on Skype earlier, that <laughs> your microphone didn't work, and you blamed not me, you blamed it on the Windows uh, update that might have happened yesterday. So I just want to throw that out there. It's 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 the only <laughs> thing that I can think of. I use my my daily driver. I have a a game gaming PC that I built, uh, you know, it's got an Intel 9700K, uh, NVIDIA uh, RTX 2080 Super. So the, the, those are getting a little older, actually, uh, but they're fine for, you know, the games that I play. But yes, there was a Windows update earlier this week. I was holding off and holding off and holding off. <laughs> and I finally pulled the trigger yesterday. And lo and behold, just a few minutes ago, Skype could not see my microphone. <laughs> I was panicking. I was very embarrassed. <laughs> no, no, it's all right. Uh, is, it a, is it even a podcast if you don't have a Skype error, you know, right at the beginning. I, that's, that's I, I suppose, but yeah, this is. Uh, hopefully, it's working <laughs> now. But yeah, uh, a fun little Windows Windows bug, you know. Who, right, exactly. Who loves him? So, as, as someone who touches lots of pieces of technology and laptops and all that, what is your daily driver, computer wise and phone wise? Uh, we are, you know, Consumer Reports. A lot, a lot, a lot of folks. We are working from home currently, and we've been working from home uh, since last March. Just you know, the whole pandemic situation. Sure. Uh, and so, my daily driver is. Like I said, my my home built gaming PC. Uh, I'm basically in uh, you know Google Docs all day, right. Gmail, or on the phone, or, or taking Google Meet calls or whatever. So I'm I'm basically in the Chrome web browser all day. And like I said, I have a 9700K RTX 2080 Super, uh, mechanical keyboard, uh, <laughs> a, a gaming monitor, 280 hertz. Uh, so that's kind of like my own equipment. Right. Uh, but then of course also you know Consumer Reports does depending on 
which department you're in, uh, you know, it dictates which computer you get. And they give us a 13 inch MacBook Pro from 2017, I believe. It's the one with the, with the bad Broken keyboard. keyboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> with the yeah. bad keyboard and the touch bar. I don't, I mean, it's fine. Like, I, I definitely don't love that <laughs> keyboard. You kind of, you know, you, you use what they give you type of thing. But then I also have, I, I did just purchase the, uh, uh, Apple MacBook Air, the M1, just the entry level entry level model because i i, I yeah. first of all I, I thought it was very neat this whole arm base i, I just as a nerd basically it's like very interesting sure. to me so i was like i kind of want that thing uh <laughs> and i thought it would be useful you know i'm pretty sure that the macbook air is the best-selling apple laptop and you know consumer reports is a very for sure you know very mainstream audience we're not dealing with with like enthusiasts you know we're not uh you know we're not engadget or, or anything like that we're talking to regular folks right. and so i kind of figured you know it, it would make sense for me to to personally own a, a laptop that a lot of regular folks are going to use every day. So that was kind of my justification for it. So those are kind of the, the devices I use on a, on a daily basis. And I have a, uh, an iPhone uh, 10, uh, 10s. So that is also getting a little older, but I did just purchase over the summer, uh, the pixel 4a, oh. uh, which I really like. I, I feel like I get an Android phone every couple years just to, you know, just to stay up to date on, on, on that side of the fence. Uh, you know, I, I don't have any particular affinity for Android. It's neat, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's fun. Uh, but I did feel that it was, it was necessary to sort of, to buy that every now and then the camera is you know it's it's what can you say it's very good for a, a sub four hundred dollar <laughs> camp for sub four hundred dollar yeah phone. absolutely it's, it is it is something else and, you know I, i'm not a camera tester i'm not a camera expert or anything but like on a, on a very affordable phone uh i'm i'm very impressed so th- that's sort of like the, yeah. the devices i use on, on a daily basis that's awesome you know I- have had pixels in the past and I, I do like to try one every once in a while. I've been seeing the reviews for the S21 Ultra yeah. from people like MKBHD and, and that sure. camera just looks incredible. So I don't know. I feel like I might have to try it just so I could speak to the comparison of iPhone and yeah. and Android there. No, I was very tempted. I, I all I feel like all last week, all I was doing was reading S21 reviews to be, and watching <laughs> reviews on YouTube. It was, it was actually kind of, I watched a lot of it, let me, let me tell you. And yeah, I was yeah. very tempted by the end of the week. It's like, man, I really don't need the S21 Ultra. Like, I don't need it at all. Literally at, <laughs> at all. all. But it's very tempting. <sighs> I kind of want it. Uh, ultimately, I was able to resist resist the temptation. <laughs> but now, I tell you, it now. got very, very close. <laughs> I yeah, was very sure. close to pulling the trigger there. So as you, again, have touched many laptops, and now you have an M1 Air in your possession, how has your experience been with that? Were you surprised by like performance, battery life, anything like that? Or, or how would you compare it to some of the top-end PCs that you're testing? Honestly, I was very, very impressed with it. And, you know, I'm, I, it's it's interesting you know, you know the way consumer reports works it's it's like i'm trying to be objective i don't want to be a fanboy you know i'm i'm you know not there's anything wrong with that that's fun too whatever uh, but we are trying to be sort of middle of the road and just look at the fact you know just the facts ma'am that type of thing right. so it was it was almost kind of a struggle to write about it because it's like i didn't want to be too effusive in my praise i was like this is a really good laptop man like this like for especially for you know apple sort of has that reputation where it's like oh the first the first version of a product is maybe not the best like the first apple watch was Eh, it was okay, I guess. But like the second one, I feel like they, they knocked it out of the park. Uh, and I feel like that happens. If, if, if you look back, you know, my, I got my first Mac uh, was the iMac, uh, you know, the Bondi Blue iMac. I, I got that in high For school. Sure. It would have been like, 2001 2002 ish uh yeah. and i and i feel like, so that's sort of like how far back i go in the in the mac w- world but like i feel like yeah. version one of every product is always like 
it feels a little beta, basically. And I, with all I say that, with all due respect, obviously, <laughs> for sure, for sure. But this one was this this M1 MacBook Air. I was like, man, I really do not see anything. It's hard to criticize, and it was like I was honestly kind of struggling to write about it because it's like I can't say this thing is perfect. That's obviously you know you you just can't say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is really good. The keyboard is amazing. Uh, the screen is fine. Uh, it is faster, especially given our audience. You know, again, we're not you know we're not Engadget. We're not some of the the more enthusiast uh, you know, MP, MKBHD. We're not we're not speaking to those folks. We're talking to sure, sure. regular folks out there. And if you're a regular person and you're using you know Microsoft Word or Chrome or Safari or you know things like that, where you're really not even getting into you know what why do I need a quad core or an eight core processor? Like sure, sure. this is kind of lost on a lot of folks. Uh, and so to me, the biggest the biggest sort of knock I could give against like the webcam is is not good. I think, and that's not exa- no we know not that, breaking yeah. news, and we've known that for Apple for whatever reason they don't <laughs> the web and you know in the past and this is how quickly like context changes. Like in the past, it's like okay the webcam. Eh, how often are you using that thing? It's not that big a deal. Right, but now, but you know if if folks are working from home, they're trying to learn remotely. All of a sudden, the webcam is a little bit more important than it was two years ago. So that was really my biggest issue with the lap. Is like this webcam is kind of junk. Uh, but you know, for fifty dollars, but you you know get, get a random Logitech and you're you're much better off. Sure. But yeah, it it is it is very impressive. I'm, I'm very impressed, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. And again, for for a, a version one for the M one, what, what does the M two look like? I can't even. Right, you know, right. it's gonna be. Super, super, uh, super interesting. So, and that's, you know, some of the rumors that came out recently, Mark Gurman and stuff talking about the 14 and 16 inch, 16 inch Apple Silicon Max coming later this year. Yes. Would any of those attempt you away from, you know, when you, if you're building your own gaming PC, you're kind of in a different market altogether. Sure. But do any of those tempt you on the higher end to maybe try and use those as a daily driver or even some of your other work? I mean, Personally, probably not just because I do, you know, I do, you know, I've been into gaming my whole life. That's kind of like what first got me into, you know, tech stuff as a kid. I was reading the video game magazine and playing like Super Nintendo and N64. So that was kind of like my first, uh, my first love with respect to like technology stuff. So it's like, and to me, uh, the PC is the place to be to to play those things. You know, as an example, uh, the big game Cyberpunk came out a couple weeks ago on the consoles. It's, it's really not very good. Uh, and, you know, that's that's terrible. They <laughs> probably shouldn't have released it in that state. Uh, right, on the PC right. side of things, it's it's not bad. It is, it is you know, it's 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 basically GTA in the future, kind of. It is what it is. But, like, in terms of, like, performance, uh, it's really not bad at all on the PC. So that's kind of, like, where I try to focus my gaming energy. So, you know, even, you know, let's say the M2 16-inch MacBook Pro, uh, I'm sure it'll be awesome. You know, I'm sure we'll get it in... We'll get it into CR and test it. Presumably, it will do very well. Uh, But just on my day-to-day, what am I going to use? What am I going to spend my own money on? I feel like with that entry-level MacBook Air, I think I'm good for... Uh, at least a couple years in terms of, of, sure. of owning uh, uh, a you know a Mac laptop. I am I am like I said earlier, my my iPhone is getting a little old. 10s, you know, I'm starting to notice apps kind of like you scroll and there's there's a little bit of jit you know <laughs> judder there. And yeah, it's like, yeah, okay, not fun. It's yeah. not fun. And to me, it's like. You know, I, I, I obsess about these things. It's like, ah, oh, I want it to be smooth. Why isn't it smooth when I scroll through Twitter? <laughs> I mean, ten <laughs> S, you're that's like two and a half years, man. I think. Uh... You know, normal, normal people won't recognize the jitter, but you know, you're, you're, uh, I understand that <laughs> your persuasion is <laughs> this might be time, but you know, as you're talking about the uh, M2 and other things. One of the other rumors that was coming out was that the touch bar was going to go away. 
And uh, you said you've had a 13-inch MacBook Pro with a touch bar. And as we transition into talking a little bit about CES, you know, I see some of these other PC laptops with that dual screen deal. Yeah. I think it's the ZenBook Pro Duo. Sure. So your thought on the touch bar and then also just the idea of having like a second display on the keyboard side, like, is that even a good idea? I mean, I haven't seen many use cases for it, but you're in a different world. Yeah, I don't I don't know. The touch bar, I guess with the touch bar, I'll say I... I I feel like I barely touched it. Honestly, I barely use it. It was there. It, <laughs> yeah. it, I feel like it was. I don't know. Not not like a fully complete th- completed thought. I guess like it, it it replaced the you know the F function keys. Which I mean I don't know. Me personally, and again, I'm I'm in Google Docs all day. I'm not I'm not a programmer. I'm not an artist. I'm not I'm not making use of like a bunch of like macros or anything like that. So it's like it's it's really not for me anyway. Right. Uh, but it just. It was also harder to push. To push. Like I'm, I'm tapping yeah. like a, a brightness that freezes on yeah. you. And you gotta, yeah, it, it was yeah. not great. And like I get it. It was it was fine. It was neat. You know, it's it obviously very impressive that they were able to pull it off. But like, sure. In terms of functionality, I, I never felt like it was really there. You know, on on the Windows side of things, where they are doing sort of those experimentations with the dual screens. You know, we've we've looked at a few of those at CR. Uh, I have not used them for any any length of time. You know, maybe a day here or there, just to kind of like you know mess around with it. I. I don't it feels i don't want to say gimmicky that's that's not that's a little bit disrespectful but it i don't feel like it is has quite justified itself quite yet yeah. uh there was a, a lenovo model i believe i forget the model number offhand but there's an e-ink display on the back of it where it displays you know your notifications maybe the weather your upcoming meetings emails things like that and to me that's like i i file that under neat it's like okay that's neat <laughs> that's cool uh but like i don't know and especially again given our audience you know, very mainstream users Am I going to tell like the average kind of mom and dad on the street, like, hey, you need to buy this laptop with this display in the back so it could show your email? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Right. Like it's, it's unnecessary complication. Maybe. I think you get my my skepticism. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So of all the things then, you know, we looked at CES as all virtual CES this year. And sure. again, the, the Apple world, we don't get a whole lot of CES anymore. It's just kind of accessories and maybe some home kit stuff. But sure. in the... PC and Windows world, you know, every AMD was there and Intel. Sure. Intel trying to be like, hey, we're still here, BT dubs, you know, and then AMD had its Ryzen. So what did you see from a Windows perspective about what excited you or what are you excited to see this year? Uh, Just just as an aside there about CES being, you know, not especially fun for Apple fans, my very first CES that I attended in 2007, Mm. I remember very distinctly sitting in the the press lounge where, you know, where folks ate their lunch basically in between meetings uh, and... And that's when Steve Jobs was on stage giving the uh, iPhone presentation. But the, the the feeling in the room at CES was like, we picked the wrong conference, didn't we, folks? Because he's over there, I, I guess somewhere, San Francisco, San Jose, yeah, yeah, unveiling yeah. the iPhone. And we were there in Las Vegas like, man, we picked the wrong one. Because <laughs> that was at Macworld, right? He was doing that at Macworld. That was at Macworld. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right. And, and those two conferences at the time, uh, they, they uh, coincided uh, time-wise. Uh, so yeah, so wow. in terms of the, the PC stuff at... CES this year. Yes, this year was, I feel like it was the year of AMD, the year of Ryzen. You know, obviously, you know, uh, I don't know how many of the Apple Insider folks are followed too closely the Ryzen stuff, but on the desktop computing side of things, uh, Ryzen processors have really, they've really come into their own. They, they hit the market, I want to say 2017. Uh, you know, obviously their, their claim to fame is, is cores and threads. If you need, you know, a million cores, a million, th- you know, not a million, but you know, yeah, yeah. four cores, eight cores. If you need a lot of, a lot of cores, a lot of threads, uh, and th- that covers a lot of folks nowadays. If you're, if you're, you know, editing video, if you're doing streaming, if you're any sort of like cr- creator work, so to speak, uh, all those cores, all those threads really 
really come in handy. Maybe less so if you're just kind of browsing Facebook or whatever, but the minute you do anything creative kind of all those cores and threads really make an impact and so we've seen a lot of iteration uh, over the past couple of years on the pc desktop side of things and last fall there was a rise in 5000 it was, intel is in a very interesting position i don't know who should buy an intel process if you're building a computer today if you're building a pc today i don't know who the person is that needs to put an intel processor in there i feel like you are not even not even not even conversation of like values like oh uh, these ryzen's offer better value no it's it's not just value now now it's like sheer performance these things are Mm. hugely impressive uh and whether it's gaming gaming was always a a, you know intel specialty where it's like you know they whatever they excelled at gaming uh that has kind of gone away and so that has been kind of like on parallel to the laptop world that has been happening on the desktop side of things there's obviously a smaller market less eyeballs on it you know a lot of gamers on eyeballs on it Uh, but that's been happening in parallel all of a sudden uh these latest generation ryzen chips third generation ryzen rdna3 uh are now appearing on laptops. And so that was basically CES. So many, you know, Asus, Asus, pick pick your manufacturer. Yeah. I don't, don't want to say they're going all in on Ryzen, but they are, they are uh, it's to the point where I feel like I have to write an article and hopefully I will publish that within the next couple days, you know, explaining to, again, our sort of mainstream audience, they're probably not used to seeing AMD right. uh, on the box of their laptop. They're like, you know, they're expecting to see Intel. Oh yeah, Intel makes the good processors, which is true. Intel still makes good processors, but <laughs> AMD is also here now and they make very good processors and there's a good chance that your next PC laptop will have an AMD Ryzen in there. And that is, you know, for me as a nerd, and, and then it gets into like, you know, it, what does Intel do? They just had a new CEO just came. Will they right. outsource their manufacturing? It's a whole lot of like stuff that I don't, I don't really write about at Consumer Reports, but just as like an informed person in this industry, there's a lot happening. Uh, so yeah, that's sort of what CES was to me. It was kind of maybe not Ryzen's coming out party, like, hey, you know, cele- celebratory Ryzen. But it was, if, to me, it felt like it was the first year where Ryzen on laptop because they have existed in the past year or two but this was definitely the year where it's like boom we're here and pay attention you know it's so funny because when i think when we were growing up you know intel inside you'd get that sticker on every computer oh yes (laughs) oh yes intel was just so much in the vernacular i mean do you think realistically 10 years from now that we'll see intel still in stuff i mean you think this is kind of the start of their phasing out man i don't know it's it's interesting too because you look at the apple side of thing you know apple is now the m1 there will not be an intel chip on their on their laptops and you know within their whole sort of computer stack yeah everything intel is gone uh that's interesting if you're intel that's bad (laughs) where does intel is not really in server they're they're not in the game (laughs) consoles they're not in mobile in any real capacity right uh so i don't know no, I'm not, I'm not really a betting man or gambling, man, but they're in a very interesting position. And 10 years is a, a hugely long time in terms of t- 10 years ago, we were talking about the iPad well, 2, I guess. I guess it came out around this time in 2011. Right, right. That was a way, that was a different world uh, than the world right, we're in sure. now. So I don't know, but I don't know. The, the momentum currently is definitely in the short to medium term. It feels like it is, it is on AMD side. And then, of course, Apple is just doing its own thing and they're marching to the beat of their own drum. Oh, but yeah, if I'm yeah. Intel, 
it's going to be very interesting. I don't know. I might have missed this, but, you know, one place I feel like ARM processors would do the best is in Chromebooks. You know, I've tried a couple Chromebooks over the years, even Google's sure. own Pixelbook. Sure. And, you know, there's there's some very nicely designed ones out there, but it was either, you know, an i5 or an i7. Are there ARM Chromebooks out there or is it going to go that way? I don't know. We have so many Chromebooks in our ratings. I don't remember offhand. <laughs> there are a lot of them. There are, sure. there are a lot of Chromebooks. And that was funny, too, because, you know, the, the work from home and everything, you basically couldn't buy a Chromebook last year. I know we did at least one story trying to help folks find these things. Uh, but yeah, Chromebooks don't generally have the most powerful process. And, you know, there's a reason, you know, what are you doing on these things? You're in Chrome and you're basically looking at Gmail or, or browsing. Google Docs, and you're yeah. not doing a whole lot or that's the expectation. You're not doing a whole lot. So there's not really a necessity to, to put, you know, a top of the line processor. It also keeps costs down. But yeah, I... Intel, I don't know, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for And sure. I don't say that to be mean, obviously. It's, it's just this, no, it, it's no, an industry it's, in flux, and they're in, a, they're in an interesting position, I guess you could say. For sure. Going back to Apple for a moment, one of the big questions was, Tim Cook said in two years' time, they're going to transition every Mac to Apple Silicon, and that was at WWDC this past June. Yes. So it'll be one year this June, and then it's just one more year, and all Macs, according to Tim Cook, will be on Apple Silicon. Everyone's thinking the Mac Pro will be the last one to transition because that's using the most powerful Intel processors that Apple could get and all that. Sure. And one of the rumors was that half-size Mac Pro, you know, that might use an Apple Silicon and not have as much space. And for me... It's a little bit concerning. I actually use in my workplace a full Mac Pro because of video cards okay. and some Blackmagic video capture devices. And so I, sure, s- sure. I still appreciate that room and size. So do you think Apple, A, do you think that half-size Mac Pro rumor is possible? Do you think they'll do that? How, do you think it will be the last computer? The Mac Pro will be the last one to see Apple Silicon? I mean, that makes a ton of sense to me for that to be the last computer. You know, you would, you, you know, just thinking kind of through the steps here. Okay. Our most powerful computer will probably save that for last for a number of reasons. One, they probably ship the fewest number of units of that thing. So it's maybe yeah. not necessarily a priority in term in that sense. And it is, it is the most specialized piece of equipment. It is, you know, the most, you know, raw power sort of thing. Maybe <laughs> they're waiting to the, you know, uh, M2 or whatever. Uh, so that right. makes sense to me. In the Windows or even Android side, I mean, we saw the Surface Duo. I don't know if you got a chance to play with that this past year but is there anything going on there is the foldable stuff what everybody's trying to focus on yeah i feel like tablets are yeah i don't know <laughs> they're, they're, it, it is one of my beats it is it is i don't do a lot of tablets so it, it's it to me it feels like you know that was a battle that was fought a decade ago mm. apple won that you know the it's the ipad and everyone else Basically, you know, Amazon makes, right. uh, you know, their Fire Tablet. They're very good if, if you just want like a cheap tablet to watch Netflix or whatever. Sure. Hey, that's great. Or, you know, give it to your kid or whatever. That's fine. But like in terms of nice device, you know, things that are like lustworthy gadgets, Samsung still makes their, their Galaxy tabs and they're, they do. Do all, they? they? I don't even they, know. They, they, <laughs> <laughs> they they do well in our ratings, like they're they're okay devices, but like I just don't see sure. uh, any real demand for them. Uh, I don't know. The, the tablets are super interesting to me because I remember you know being in sort of like the New York media scene, you know, a decade ago. The, the iPad was seen as was kind of seen as like the savior of like publishing. It's like oh, we're going to put all our magazines on the iPad, everything will be great. Uh, that was kind of like that was in the water, I guess you would say, about a decade ago. I don't think it happened. We got Apple News Plus. That's what we got out of that. <laughs> 
Yeah, and that's that's cool. It's fine, but like I I, I don't know. I, I feel like tablets are like I have I have a very old iPad Air, and I literally use it to read the occasional Batman comic book, <laughs> which is good for that, you know. And that's and I know there are people out there whose lives revol- revolve around the iPad, and that's awesome. That's great. I'm, yeah. I'm not discounting that. Yeah. If that works for you, that's great. That's why they made it. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. But like for me personally, and for me to try to like advise consumers, uh, you know, the iPad is not especially cheap. I guess there's a three hundred thirty dollars one, so that is that is fairly affordable. Uh, but once you get beyond yeah. that, uh, the prices. Oh yeah, the Pro and everything. Yeah, yeah, and it's so I don't know. Did you get a chance to play with the Surface Duo at all this past year? I have not personally. Yeah. No. What is your take then on like the folding phone phenomenon and there's rumors about apple doing it honestly i feel yes. like that would be such a weird day for apple to do a folding iphone but yeah what about you think of something like this z fold and all that yeah yeah i used i used the first gen you know we had that in the back you know back when we had offices sure, uh, sure. i used that in the office uh whenever they came out the first gen samsung fold and and, and again i filed it under neat it's like this is neat <laughs> also at the time it was like two thousand dollars so that that already right. you know that's for a certain person that's probably a that's not me and B, probably not too many of our readers, to be honest. So it's like it's not really at top of mind for us. But it's like it's neat, and I can and I appreciate the underlying work that goes into it. I don't know that it is as transformative as as just a regular. <laughs> tour. I don't know. Yeah, these yeah. all these things seem like seem cool and fu- like. And I, I'll, I'll eventually, I'll probably buy. Look, I, like I said, I was debating buying the S twenty one Ultra the other day just because I wanted a new toy, basically. <laughs> so there's, a, there's yeah. it's safe to say that I probably at some point will buy one of these folding phones because I like having the latest new toy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But will that play a central role in the average person's life? Uh, you know, this year or next year? Kind of find that hard to believe, I guess. Same. Well, and speaking of things that playing into our daily lives, there's so many rumors about Apple and VR and AR. Sure. And I actually recently got a chance to play with an Oculus 2 uh, for the first time a okay. couple of weeks ago. And it is a pretty wild experience. I mean, it is, uh, yes. it, you know, it is really fun. I've had I've had a couple of the Oculus headsets. I, per, I personally own the Oculus, the very first one, the CV1, uh, consumer version one. Right, the right. Oculus Rift. Oculus Rift, I had that. Uh, it was, you know, I'm an early adopter. It, it, you know, I had a very low kind of bar of like, yeah, this is cool, I guess. And, you know, there's a bunch of like shooting like zombie games and things like that. And, you know, travel the world. <laughs> and like 3d ma- like it's fun stuff uh but i think i paid i don't know four or five hundred dollars for it right, right. is is that a mass consumer product probably not i did also buy the oculus quest 2 that came out a couple months ago yeah uh, i think that i think it's 300 dollars or 200 i figured off hand but that's way more affordable it's 300 on on sale yeah on sale you can get it for 200 at the cheapest. yeah it's it's way more affordable it, it's it's you know it's obviously easier you don't need to be tethered to a pc you know it's all self-contained and all the experiences are 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 there it's fun it kind of feels like if, if, if there was ever a moment virtual reality it would it would kind of be now where everyone's Maybe largely staying at home and they're not going out too much and, and That's you know, true. virtual a virtual day at the beach is almost as fun as a real day <laughs> at the beach, I guess. Yeah. For, and I, I saw that rumor the other day too, where Apple, you know, they're considering getting into this and their headset will be, you know, pricey or whatever whatever the terminology was. And I'm like, to me it is, you know, the headsets are whatever, but it's the content that's there. It's like what why would I why would I buy it? It's like a game console. Right. It's like why would I buy a PlayStation five? If you don't play video games, I don't need a PlayStation Five. You know, you have <laughs> right. You, know, you can you watch run Netflix, Netflix on it. That's it. <laughs> built into your TV. You know, you, you don't need this. You know, we're we're past the days of like where the PS2 had a DVD player, and it's like, okay, great. Right, right, now right. I have a DVD player. So <laughs> if you if there's no content on on the Quest or or Apple's upcoming, you know, alleged upcoming, I don't quite get it. I guess I guess we shall see, but I don't know what what for Apple is there. Even aside from VR, you know, augmented reality. 
I think has a little more real life implications. I think it was when they actually introduced the iMac Pro, Apple actually had like, this is capable of building VR games. Right. And Apple even kind of, you know, had this whole portion of the announcement talking about VR and AR. Right. And so I guess if Apple's going to do something virtual reality or something augmented, I feel like augmented would make more sense for Apple because it might appeal to a broader audience. Yes. Something like goggles or glasses. But aside from like directions or like street view showing you exactly where the bagel place is. Right. I mean, have you in the world that you're in, like seen augmented reality use cases that might actually hit real life people anytime soon? I feel like everything has been very experimental. I've seen several sort of compelling kind of like uh, like business use, use cases. I uh, Microsoft HoloLens a couple of years ago when they came out, oh, yeah. uh, you know, had a bunch of demos and they were showing, you know, HoloLens in the classroom, HoloLens, like how to, how to like augmented reality kind of like cadavers and like use in like in, in things like like very <laughs> specialized. You Like that is not a consumer yeah, yeah, yeah. product. It's, it's, it's just an interesting <laughs> you know, implementation. I remember, it, I guess I was at a CES maybe two years ago or three i'm losing track here uh but there was there was uh some ar in in like a warehouse situation and i was like okay these are mm-hmm. these are neat and these are you know obviously valid uses of this technology but like it's not i don't this is not a consumer product yet I feel like for consumers to to care about ar and again look i I thought Google Glass was cool, so, so, <laughs> so I'm perhaps the last person. It looked cool, but you know, the, just the constraints of the technology, like battery life and yeah. charging, and just looking like a crazy person with Google Glass on. Like, it's got a ways to go before I think it's something mass people will want. Yeah, no, I agree. So we talked about computers, tablets, and some phones, but you said you also cover Wi-Fi routers, and so maybe we could yes. kind of like round out the show here because I just sure. recently bought a Linksys Velop to get Wi-Fi six, and it is killer. Okay, and now we have all these Wi-Fi 6E devices that were just announced at CES. So what is your Wi-Fi router of choice? Which one do you use now? Or which one are you looking forward to when they come out? Well, the fact of the matter is I use whatever Verizon Fios has given me the Wi-Fi 6E. Oh my goodness, you cover Wi-Fi routers. It's a Wi-Fi 6E model, I will say. Okay, all right. That's pretty pretty good. It does work fine. Uh, But we obviously get a lot of readers who who ask that same question. It's like, hey, you know, what's a good router? I think what what does happen, maybe Verizon Fios is like an exception here, but I, my sense is that a lot, a lot of ISPs out there kind of give maybe not junk, but they don't necessarily give you the, the best router, no. uh, and so your experience is perhaps subpar. I think you could say <laughs> this is the kindest way to say it. That's a consumer reports language coming out. It's pretty good. <laughs> I think yeah, and Wi-Fi 6E was kind of the big Wi-Fi story coming out of CES this year. And, you know, to recap, Wi-Fi 6E it was approved by the FCC last spring. It basically opens up the six gigahertz band, uh, which is 1200 megahertz. So it's it's basically a lot more space basically uh, for for your device, so laptops, smartphones, tablets, game consoles, you know, what have you. Uh, and so as as you know, it's not like, and that's kind of the funny thing. It's not like we're we're inviting fewer of these devices into our home. If anything, we're you know, between like Alexa devices and, and all the smart home stuff and secure, like these, we're not, we're not, we're not like, oh, we're done. We're finished. I have just enough, just the right <laughs> amount of devices in my home. Right. Everything's going to have like a, a Wi-Fi chip in it. So it's like, yeah. we're accelerating the pace of like devices that we're bringing into our home. And so, 
you know, under Wi-Fi 5. It just wasn't working before, especially depending upon, you know, if you live in, in an apartment building, let's say in New York City uh, or any other city, I suppose. Uh, but, you know, Wi-Fi 6E will be tremendously helpful because the, I don't know if you have ever tried to set up like a 2.4 gigahertz router in an apartment building. It basically, the last time I tried that was, I want to say 2014, and it basically didn't work. And that is seven years ago. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine what it's like now. It, it, it's 2.4 is... is Saturated. It's, it's close. It's finished. It's saturated. Yeah, it's There's closed. no more room there. Uh, and so, you know, and maybe this wasn't an issue. And again, context matters. Context is everything. If if you didn't necessarily have to be online all day from your house doing Zoom calls and in Microsoft Teams and in Slack, eh, maybe who cares? It doesn't matter. That's why you go to your office because they have the IT infrastructure to do your job. All of a sudden, your home is at least partially your office part of the time and you kind of do need this like backbone to work uh and so that's where wi-fi 60 you know the flip side is that they're they're i was just looking at the prices about an hour ago they're not super cheap i think the cheapest one i saw was like 450 dollars, which is i mean that's a lot of money and again again i do you know one, one of the things I, I really appreciate about being a consumer report especially compared to some of the enthusiast publication you know, i was at TechCrunch, i was at vice motherboard where it's like family budgets matter uh you know if, if someone has you know, let's say $100 a month to, to spend on technology, so to speak. That is, that is the amount of money they have to spend. There is no like, eh, I'll stretch and spend 200. That, that's not, that's not, that's not a thing. Right, uh, right. and so the first sort of tranche of these Wi-Fi 6E devices will be a little on the expensive side. And that, you know, so it goes, you know, at the same token, prices obviously go down. You know, I, I was looking, looking this up, uh, just a few minutes ago. Uh, actually, uh, the original Eero debuted in 2016. I want to say it was like $500. Right, right. Uh, which, which seems like 2016. That was, you know, that's time what, that flies. Seems, I don't even know how to think about that. It seems so not long ago. And also, I feel like Eero's been around forever. So yes, I don't, exactly. So, I but they debuted, at, you know, obviously the first gen, it, it kind of, it, it was almost like, you know, like a Nirvana moment. It, this, this technology right, right, right. came out and I was like, wow, this is, a, this is, this is very useful, actually. Yeah. Uh, it was $500, which is, that was expensive at the time. That's expensive now. Now we're looking at a case where we have uh, maybe older mesh routers in our, in our ratings. Uh, you know, they're Wi-Fi 5, so they're not Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi 6, but if you don't necessarily need Wi-Fi 6, you can get a Wi-Fi 5 uh, mesh router for like $150 or something. And, and it's, you know, if you have a, a larger home and, you're, and your problem is more like, I'm just trying to cover like a, a good distance here, you know, my speed is fine, but it just doesn't reach my, all of a sudden my attic home office <laughs> because I have an attic home office now, uh, you know, an inexpensive mesh router. I, I will say over the, in 2020, I really don't think I got more questions from, from readers or for, <laughs> you know, I would do like t- little television interviews with radio stations, you know, here and there throughout the, yeah, yeah. throughout the country. Mesh was the single most like asked about technology that like in my life I've ever been like, <laughs> Hey, I heard about this mesh thing. What is, is that really good? Is that, is that all it's cracked up to be? Uh, and, and, sort of in our testing uh yes is the short answer it, it is really you know depending upon you know it in that's the other thing with Wi-Fi. It is very, you know, it depends upon a million things. Uh, what yeah, yeah. What is your house made of? What are the walls made of? Do you live, right. you know, it's my understanding that, you know, in in I, I'm Puerto Rican, in Puerto Rico, a lot of the houses are made of concrete because there's like hurricane. Right. And so it's right, like right. Wi-Fi doesn't necessarily travel through concrete super well right. compared to like 
plywood in you know New York State or whatever. Right. Uh, so it really depends. You know, do your devices support even the AC and the AX and all that? Yeah, and that's too. If, if you have older devices, it, it maybe it doesn't even make sense to it buy might not a matter, new yeah. router. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's another big part of my job too. Is like not only are like the shiny new things like interesting and worth talking about, obviously, and, and helping you evaluate whether or not it's a smart buying decision, but also it's like well, just because last year's router came out last year doesn't mean it's a hunk of junk. Right. Uh, especially now that it's on sale for 30% off. That's a great route. It was a great router last year. It's still a great router. It's maybe not the newest one all of a sudden. But again, if you're on a budget, if you really don't care that much, it's like, that's still a great router. And so that's, that's sort of like the balance that I try to play in, you know, I, I don't personally recommend products. You know, it's, it's our testers. Yeah, yeah. You're just kind of going through the rigorous, it, it's, it's math more than anything. It's, it's really not, it's not people's like feelings on, on the subject. Uh, but in, in, in talking about these, these products, it's like, there's a lot to consider. And, and for our audience, budgets matter, uh, and, and value matters. Mm. And, and that's kind of like my, uh, I guess my North Star, so to speak, trying to help folks kind of like navigate. And that's the other thing too, that I'm very cognizant of is that people have lives, people have kids, people have jobs. They don't spend all day reading, you know, Gizmodo or, or Consumer Reports or Apple Insider or whatever the case may be. Right. They're not, they, you know, I do that because I'm a nerd and I think that's fun. Yeah, and sure. I've been doing that since I was like 14 years old. Uh, <laughs> but like most people don't do that. They right. do other stuff. And so it's kind of our job to like, to, to guide folks a little bit. That's cool. Well, Nicholas, thanks so much for being on Apple Insider. Where can people find you or follow you or read your stuff? Yeah. Uh, if you just go to the Consumer Reports website, which is consumerreports.org, You'll find all my stuff there. Uh, you know, obviously, Consumer Reports does st- stuff other than you know, laptops and routers. You know, we cover <laughs> sure. uh, cars and beds and and uh, home stuff, refrigerators and washing, all, all that fun stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and yeah. and it's, if folks don't know, everything that is in our ratings, uh, we purchase. You know, we go to the store and we buy it. You know, we don't get any any samples from manufacturers. So so nothing that gets a rating from us is based on something that you know Acme Incorporated loaned to us <laughs> to review which is fine you know no big deal uh, but we buy everything just to just to keep everything above board and to make sure that we're getting the same experience that you know the average joe in the street when they walk into a best buy or home depot we're buying the same product and and we're testing that same product so just consumerreports.org uh and yeah that's about it that's awesome well i'll put a link to that in show notes and to nicholas on twitter as well he's a fun follow there well nicholas thanks again for being on the show man yeah my pleasure thank you very much 